All right, today we're here with Hannah May Southwood. Um, Hannah's a powerlifter in the BCPA, and she knows a thing or two about dieting, something powerlifters generally aren't good at. <laughs> um, so, Hannah, why don't you go about and uh, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got into fitness and then into powerlifting. Okay, cool. Yeah, uh, my background is in bodybuilding. Um, so I started up as a bikini competitor and then progressed to being a figure competitor Um, and I did all of my own preps for my competitions so through that I learned like a lot about nutrition and a lot about training and also a lot about different phases of nutrition which I think like powerlifters tend to overlook the most I'd say (laughs) where it's like trying to make gains and you're not putting as much like work into your nutrition as you are when you're cutting that's something like I see a lot um so that was something I learned a lot with bodybuilding was putting effort into your nutrition year round um so then I progressed from just doing my own preps to eventually coaching other people and I got certified as a nutrition and weight loss specialist and certified as a personal trainer and now I run my own online macro coaching company so Plug it, conquer, right? Conquer coaching, yeah. <laughs> That's sick. Cool. I'm not good at the plugs. <laughs> <laughs> Shameless plugs. So, yeah. uh, cool. So, do you um, you coach uh, quite a few powerlifters and with dieting and and uh, I have I haven't um, started coaching too many powerlifters yet. Um, most of my clientele at this point has been more like physique transformation focused. Okay. Um, but through my powerlifting and people being exposed to how I've approached my meat preps, um, I have had more powerlifter, um, clients because of that. Yeah. Cool. So, okay. So, um, for like the, the more general, you know, fitness kind of stuff, like, um, how much different is the diet for someone who says just trying to lose 10 pounds for the summer for a wedding? Um, versus someone who's trying to, you know, get strong for a powerlifting meet or um, get lean for a figure show? See, I think it's completely different, to be honest, because if you're just trying to lose a little bit of weight for, like, a special event or something like that, it really just comes down to calories. If you are in a caloric deficit, you're most likely going to lose weight and you're going to reach your goal of dropping 10 pounds. You might not really actually look better, but you're going to be smaller. Whereas I think with powerlifting, like, you need to actually put, I'd say, almost more effort into your nutrition, in my experience, anyhow, than with bodybuilding, even, I would say, like, around your training, because your training is so, so, so important as a powerlifter, and I think that's the thing that gets, like, really overlooked, is, like, not timing your food around your training, and not recovering properly, Whereas like someone who's just trying to lose weight, I mean, I don't think they really need to give that kind of consideration to nutrient timing like a power lifter probably should. Okay. Yeah. And you're, you're never going to water cut for a wedding, right? <laughs> I would hope not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Unless it was a really expensive dress you bought for that wedding. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be able to dehydrate <laughs> So, like, yeah. when you're working with um, someone who's not a power lifter, just uh-huh. like a civilian, if you will, um, yeah. what's the hardest part about getting them to, to, um, you know, lose weight? Is it changing their, their habits or is it, is that the hardest part? 
Yeah, I would say, like most people, it's finding something that they can stick to long term. Because I think anybody can follow a crappy cookie cutter diet for a short period of time. But I think finding things that they can integrate into their daily lives that actually work for their daily habits and isn't too far removed from what they're used to. And I think that's where a lot of nutrition coaches go wrong is you just take someone's world and flip it completely upside down. It's not going to last, right? Yeah. So I think with normal people, it's more about portion control. It's about getting enough sleep. It's about drinking more water. It's about just creating better, like, sustainable habits. That's how I would describe it. Yeah. And, and um, break, is breaking their habits more hard or more, more hard? Is breaking their habits <laughs> harder than um, yeah. building new ones, would you say? Or? Yeah, with certain things, and it really 100% depends on the person. I think a lot of people, like, when they're at the point, because, you know, hiring a coach is like a commitment. You know, you're committed for 12 weeks to, you know, you're paying for it. <laughs> yeah. So when people are at the point of wanting to pay for a coach, I mean, I think they're pretty motivated so it's I think more there's often like external factors that make breaking habits really hard so I'd say like social obligations so that's another thing you need to take into consideration is coming up with ways to work around like still having a social life Mm -hmm. Uh, because that's like one of the things you'll find with most bodybuilders is like they don't have friends (laughs) and if they do they're bodybuilders exactly um so yeah finding things that they can integrate into their daily lives makes it a lot easier than trying to completely break all of their habits okay that makes sense though they're uh it, what i've heard i'm obviously no uh-huh. uh nutrition specialist i'm a 120 kilo uh power lifter i uh the fattest lean leanest eating guy ever but uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like changing um changing one habit at a time, right? You don't want to change everything all at once because it sets you up for failure. Like you said, what's up? Yeah, I think so. I think that making minor changes to multiple habits is better because there's also the effort and reward ratio that you Mm -hmm. want to make sure is paying off because if someone's following a plan and all they've done is start drinking more water, they're probably just going to feel more hydrated. You know, they're not going to really like, see like big changes that they want to see that's going to motivate them to keep working harder so i think it's making small changes to enough things that they do actually see results from it and then they're like okay that little change like made like a pretty decent result like what would a bigger change make Mm -hmm. and then it kind of creates that chain reaction of people wanting to work harder because they want to get more results okay so so what would you say for um for um, a power lifter, um, would you say that a diet like uh, you know a lot of people are on this keto diet now and different you know different uh-huh. diets, carnivore diets, and all these different things? Yeah. Would you say that um, what like there's no best diet? Would you say? No, I don't think there's a best diet at all. I think. I think that keto works for some people, maybe um, because it works for their preferences and it works for their lifestyle. Um, and then, you know, things like the vertical diet, which to me is just like so, yeah, <laughs> so extreme and unnecessary. But it does make sense. I think you have to do so many things by a case by case basis for people. Like, I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all diet, but things like, yeah, like the vertical diet, for instance, it makes sense for someone who's eating 
an obscene amount of food and needs to be able to digest it quickly enough mm -hmm. that they can take in that much food in a day and actually yeah, be able to digest it. Whereas like I've seen people who are like eating like 1500 calories a day following the vertical diet. And it's like, you're not going to have any trouble digesting 1500 <laughs> calories a day. <laughs> like <laughs> it's meant for someone who's eating like 10,000 calories a day. And I understand that's the purpose behind it, but yeah, so many things get misused. Yeah. It's just like, uh, it's, it's having the right tool and using it at the right time. Right. It's like, uh, if you're trying to screw in a, a screw, you're not going to use a hammer, right? <laughs> well, I hope not. <laughs> <You never> know. <laughs> <laughs> Some people might, but so they for might a, be desperate. <laughs> so yeah, so for a power lifter, would you say that um, you know more of a uh, a carb rich diet would be better um, because we're using you know more explosive movements than uh, say like a, a fat heavy diet. Yeah, I would say again, it can a hundred percent depend on the person. Um, I think it also depends on what phase of your training you're in. Like if you're in more of a hypertrophy phase, then you're probably going to want to have more carbohydrates and more calories. But if you're in a strength phase, I don't necessarily think that you need it because you maybe the short term like energy requirement is pretty high, but you know, you're only burning so many calories doing a single. I think, you know, the focus at that point needs to be more on recovery and sleep and all those kinds of things. And you could actually afford to be eating a little less food. If I was going to do like a weight loss phase, like where I was trying to reduce body fat, I would do that in a strength phase more likely than in a hypertrophy phase. Interesting. Interesting. Because I've always, <laughs> I've always thought of that dip, like backwards because... Everybody thinks of it backwards, yeah. but it's actually... When you think about it, the whole point of hypertrophy is to break down the muscle, but if you don't have the food to build it back up again, then you're really just breaking down the muscle and not recovering Rebuilding properly. It. See, the thing Whereas in a strength phase, you're not breaking down the muscle as much, so it's, you know, you, it's your nervous system that needs to recover. This might be the fattest thing ever said, but I've always <laughs> taken the approach of always being in a calorie surplus because in a hypertrophy phase, you're gaining you know, your, your extra calories, you're going to put them towards the new muscle. And then, yeah. uh, in the strength phase, the extra calories are going to go towards, you know, putting, uh, more weight on the bar. So I've just always, well, always eaten in well, the calorie surplus. In muscle building phase, <laughs> you just built all this new muscle that you're going to use towards lifting that weight. <laughs> <laughs> so like, that's, you know, how I look at it, as long as you're preserving the muscle that you built, it's really like your nervous system that's adapting and that doesn't have as much to do with food. Absolutely. I'm just uh, in love with food too much, you know? I couldn't agree more. I hate dieting. Why do you think I quit bodybuilding? <laughs> <laughs> Join the powerlifting game. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I, I will be doing, uh, you know, a little bit of a recomposition coming up after uh, Worlds in August because... Uh, yeah. I'm just getting it to the top end of the weight class now. I'm, you know, having to actually watch what I've eaten and I've never had to do that before. Like in my prep for nationals, I could eat whatever I want. And I was like five pounds under the weight class. Right. Yeah. But now I'm walking around and I'm like a pound or two over the weight class. So I have to really watch what I'm doing and kind of be more. You become hyper aware of it. It's actually kind yeah. of a big head game in powerlifting that I wasn't aware of because in bodybuilding, the number on the scale actually doesn't matter at all yeah like especially for female athletes because we don't have weight classes to fit into so it's not a consideration for us 
So it's been a bit of a bit of a mind game, actually. All of a sudden, having to pay attention to the number on the scale mm-hmm. and go, okay, I have to stay in this range. Whereas, yeah, when I was bodybuilding, if I put on ten pounds, I'm like, I'll deal with it later. Yeah. But yeah, when you know you're gonna have to step on a scale and make a certain number, like it's actually a huge mind game for sure. Do you uh, do you are you a person who does a big water cut or do you um, hover um, a couple pounds over your weight class? I sit within my weight class. Okay. Um, my first meet, I've only competed three times so far because I've been powerlifting for nine months. <laughs> um, but <laughs> um, but I've been weightlifting for a long time. I yeah. just officially admitted the fact that I'm a powerlifter nine months ago. Um, but uh, no, for my first. Uh, competition I decided to do a water cut just for the Wilkes <laughs> um Back in and the day. I was just like just under my weight class or like pretty much exactly on it and so I cut well, into it a bit further um and I did find that it negatively impacted my performance in in my mind it was my first meet so it's kind of hard to say um so for my second meet I took a different approach I had done like a bulking phase um and I wanted to weigh light in my weight class because I knew that I'd be competing for overalls against someone who is heavier so I knew it'd be an advantage to weigh in light um so I decided to tap into my bodybuilding background and diet into the competition rather than weight cut into the competition or water cut um and I did find that it worked a lot better for me Mm. um I dieted on and off for a few months I made sure I kept in diet breaks every time I did a hypertrophy week we usually do like three weeks of strength and one week of hypertrophy is like a pivot i would make sure that i was at maintenance calories during that hypertrophy week (laughs) which again most people would think is backwards um and then one month out from my competition i brought my calories back up to maintenance so that then my final block of training i had plenty of food and I went into the meet like underweight able to eat breakfast feeling really like recovered and it was a good good meet I went eight for nine versus five for nine so (laughs) it was good yeah that's the best feeling when you go into a meet and you feel full and and yeah uh, I was well fed well rested I was like this is the way to go and I mean you know you kind of have to tap into your skills like you know like my boyfriend Jeremy my coach he uh, he prefers to water cut because he's used to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because he's used to feeling like crap all the time <laughs> <laughs> because he never drinks enough water anyhow. Whereas for me, you know, I'm used to drinking a gallon of water a day. Like it's just what I've done for like eight years. So it really messes me up. I'm used to homeostasis, and he's not. He's all over the place. <laughs> he's used so to being it works dehydrated. For him. It depends on the person. Yeah. Jeremy's a raisin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, back, yeah, back to my original point. There was, uh, what would you say the best way for me to uh, to recomposition? Um, you know, like cut cut down to like say two forty, and then build some quality muscle to get back up to the top end of the weight class would be um, without having catastrophic strength loss. So, what is your current weight, and what's the top end of your weight class? Uh, weight class is one twenty, so two sixty four in pounds, and I'm walking around every day right now at about. 267-ish in the morning. Okay. So you want to drop like 25-ish pounds yeah. about afterwards? Yeah, just lose a little um, bit of weight. Yeah, I would probably, like, it just depends on how your body responds, but I think, like, a cyclical approach is usually best in that kind of situation because that's a fair amount of weight to lose, and you do want to make sure that, yeah, you're maintaining your strength. Mm-hmm. So I would definitely cycle it through phases of being in a caloric deficit and making sure that, yeah, you're in a strength training block during that time. 
or not going overly crazy with the volume. Okay. Like that would be like the key factor if you were in a hypertrophy phase to not go super high on the volume. Make sure that you're um, working within whatever you can recover from okay. on like that amount of calories. And then cycle back and forth. I, I, I'm a big fan of diet breaks. I think that they're a really good way to maintain strength and muscle mass. And I do think like the current literature definitely supports that idea. And it's like a mental break too. You know, it's like, okay. I'm going to be dieting for three weeks and then I'll take a week and enjoy a little bit more food and give my body a break. And because, you know, dieting is not only physically stressful. I mean, it doesn't have to be super, but it is somewhat physically stressful. It's also mentally stressful, too, because you have to put a lot more consideration into your food and into, yeah, your social life and all of those kinds of things. So absolutely making, making sure you don't get overwhelmed physically or <laughs> mentally by it. Yes, that's huge. For sure. All right. I'll keep that in mind. Um, and I get a lot of people who ask me, especially like my mom's friends and stuff like that. And they're uh -huh. like, you know, how do I, uh, how do I lose, lose, you know, the fat on my belly? And I'm like, have you ever seen me before? Like, why are you asking me this question? But, like, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, yeah, these, uh, these people don't know who they're asking, you know, it's like asking a blind man what color this is, but um. <laughs> well, probably when people see someone who like does have some structure to what they eat, they yeah. you know that's admirable because you know even sure. if you are sitting at the top of your weight class, you're still carrying around your Tupperware with your food in it. That does take discipline already, right? For sure, like, for sure. You were like putting me to shame at nationals. You're showing up with your food, and I'm sitting there eating donuts. I'm like, oh, yeah. oh my god, <laughs> backwards, eh? <laughs> yeah, I'm eating yeah. fucking beef and rice, trying to make weight, and you're eating donuts in front of me. <laughs> wasn't right but Hannah. flexible dieting flexible dieting <laughs> <laughs> yeah eh? but uh like for these um for these uh older older men and ladies that aren't um you know going to the gym every day and, and training and um you know aren't necessarily uh you know strict with their diet is it is it fairly easy for them to lose a little bit of weight because they're starting from such a you know like like kind of like newbie gains would it be for dieting trained state or whatever yeah, you want to call exactly. it. Yeah, um, I think it, it can depend on the person and like their history. Like, unfortunately, I feel like there was a lot of ignorance around nutrition. Yeah. You know, in the past, you know, 20, 30 years, um, a lot of like uh, fad diets. And I've seen a lot of really severely damaged metabolisms from those fad diets. You know, the, the, what is it like the Atkins and stuff like that, that I've seen people go on. So I think it really depends. You know, I do think that, that the females, especially of that generation tend to have some pretty damaged metabolisms yeah. and some pretty like, like sad eating habits in terms of like how much food they're able to eat. And they're still, you know, overweight and unhappy with how they look. So, I mean, I think a lot of that can be like stress related. So I think there's like a lot of lifestyle like factors that come into play. But in an ideal case scenario, if someone doesn't have a damaged metabolism and they don't have a lot of stress, um, then, yeah, I think someone who's, you know, never worked out before or doesn't really work out and they've never really tried to diet before, they're probably going to have, like, yeah, crazy, like, newbie gains or whatever you want to call it, newbie losses. <laughs> newbie losses, I like it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the opposite of what we want, but... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Are, uh, are you, like... Would you say, uh, 
you know, any metabolism is fixable or is there a certain point where it's just like a point of no return for somebody? Um, I have yet to encounter a metabolism that was unfixable. Um, so you there's know, hope for me. Can... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> um, I have encountered people who have been eating uh, like dismal amounts of calories, like, you know, like the typical like 1200 calories a day. And, you know, it takes time, it takes effort, it takes changing, um, yeah, lifestyle habits and dealing with stress. I think that's like an overlooked factor in weight loss for sure. Um, but yeah, I've taken people who are eating like 1200 calories a day and got to the point where they're able to actually like maintain or lose weight on over 2000 calories a day. Um, with, you know, it takes time, like months of work and, you know, figuring out what works for them and also creating like, I think our bodies respond really well to routine. And I think that's something that, you know, a lot of the, the newer fad diets, like I'm a big fan of, of um, flexible dieting, but I think that's something that gets overlooked in flexible dieting is the lack of routine. So I think that sometimes establishing a routine for people can really help to uh, um, instill better habits that can help with their metabolism for sure. I'm not a big fan of the eating, you know, like six small meals a day. That's absolute bull crap. <laughs> but I do think that, you know, our bodies can only digest so much food at once. So, you know, there's a happy medium for sure. For sure. I was, uh, before nationals, I was really trying to fill out the weight class because my coach wanted me to. Um, yeah, which is always a good idea. Yeah, yeah, of course. And you don't want to give away strength. But I was like, I was eating like nine times a day and my stomach was just starting to kill me. And I was like, <laughs> I was just like. And I'm following the vertical diet, like kind of loosely, but still following it. So I'm eating digestible foods. And um, I thought I was almost getting like a little bit of like colitis. It was hurting so bad. But it was just... You probably were. Yeah, probably were to some extent. (laughs) But yeah, I was just eating way too much. And and, uh, or like, um, I forget what that other one's called. But, um, But yeah, like eating there's a point where it's like you're eating so much that your body just can't keep up with itself. Right. So you're gonna, you're gonna sacrifice, um, sacrifice strength because you can't, you can't eat. Right. Because, uh, your stomach hurts too bad. So it's finding that perfect balance point. Right. I've seen that in bodybuilding a lot too, where people go overboard with the food to the point of, yeah, not being able to digest it. And it kind of, is uh, kind of redundant to eat that much food actually. Yeah. Well, it was like at one point I was, um, every Sunday I had an equipped SBD day and I would go, I would go eat, um, like a burger or pizza, um, the night before on a Saturday night and my stomach felt so much better after I ate like a shitty meal because it was just like getting everything out, you know? And, uh, it was just really weird how after I would eat a bad meal that my stomach wouldn't hurt at all. But then after I'd eat like you know, my, my beef and rice and, and a carrot that my, my stomach would hurt, you know? Well, I think it also comes down to with like bad foods, quotation marks, <laughs> you're getting a lot of, you're getting a lot of calories in like a smaller package is the only way I would describe it. Right. Yeah. Whereas if you're only eating clean foods, they're really voluminous. So like you're wind up with a large volume of food. And I've run into that with like, especially female clients, you know, guys, you give them more carbs and they're like, yeah, cookies, <laughs> girls, you give them more carbs and they're like, oh, I'll eat more oatmeal. And and then they come to me and they're like, oh, I don't think I that uh, more carbs agrees with me because now I'm all bloated all the time. And I'm like, well, I put fiber on your 
your program for a reason, girlfriend. How much fiber are you taking in, in a day? And, you know, it's usually something crazy, like 50 grams of fiber, which is like twice as much as they want. <laughs> so, you know, if you are someone who's trying to eat in a caloric surplus, I'm a big fan of eating, like, bad foods. You need to incorporate them in there if you want to get in all those calories and, yeah, not be super uncomfortable. Again, quotation mark, bad foods. Yeah. But, you know, calorie-dense foods, for sure. For sure. It's, uh... Yeah, it's uh, not to beat it. Powerlifting is right, like kind of. Yeah. We're we're known for eating, like shit, and. Uh, I feel like there's a there's like, a shift though in that because like I have noticed like, um, there was a big shift in bodybuilding at about the same time that there was a big shift in powerlifting, and I noticed that like what used to be the ideals of like bodybuilding and like figure that I competed in. All of a sudden, like, that look was gone, but I noticed there was, like, a lot of more, like, athletic-looking power lifters, and I was like, you know, like, the, the look that I actually really like tends to be attached to this sport, and you have noticed that, like, there's been, like, a pretty big um, change in, like, the middleweight classes, you know, you look at, like, the 83s, like, those guys are jacked. They yeah, look Swole like looks like he's about to step on stage. Yeah, like the days of like the fat power lifter, especially with IPF points. <laughs> yeah, <fine. laughs> yeah, we're going there. I feel like the days of fat power lifters is actually kind of changing and shifting quite a bit. A lot of like the big names in the sport are in amazing shape. Yeah, and I think that power lifters are starting to be more associated with that for sure. Jason's gonna burst through the wall there and fucking strangle you. Yeah, I'm like, I hope Jason doesn't listen to this. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I definitely know what you mean. Like some of these guys are so jacked. Like uh, Russ Swole, for example. Everybody knows who he is. He's like, yeah, literally looks like exactly. he's about to step on stage, you know. And he's and yeah, he's competing. Yeah, he looks like a men's physique competitor. Exactly. Charlie Dixon and and uh, a, lot yeah. of, a lot of these guys are literally just like so lean. I don't understand how they're doing it. And lifting these absurd yeah. weights, it's crazy. And that's what I mean. Like, all of a sudden, the athleticism is starting to really show in the sport, you know? Like, watching Worlds recently, I was blown away by how amazing so many of the athletes, like, not just perform, but looked, too. <laughs> For, on, on game day, um, what do you think is the most important, um, you know, thing to be eating? Like, I, I'm of the theory that... You don't want to really change it too much because you might upset your stomach and uh, yeah. you know, shit yourself on the platform. But um, yeah. <laughs> I think that's more a guy problem. But. Yeah, but you you also don't want to like um, if you're eating like you know like me like I don't go and have like ground beef and rice all day at a competition. It's more like um, a lot of honey, a lot of orange juice for me. Salt's big for me because I'm yeah. sweating a lot. Yeah. Um, and and. Uh, if you are you are you like uh, big on the importance of sodium during game day and and prep itself? I'm huge on the importance of sodium for performance. That's why <laughs> I don't like water cutting. I don't like messing with my sodium. It will mess me up for. Well, I did that water cut last weekend just for the heck of it, and I'm still messed up from it. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I will never mess with sodium again. Um, but again, it depends on the person. But yeah, I'm a huge fan of sodium for performance. I think that's like largely like overlooked. Um, and staying hydrated. I think that's a big thing on game day is staying hydrated. And yeah, not eating a bunch of crap. What is it with all the candy? Like, know. you know, in the back of the powerlifting meet, I'm like, this isn't bodybuilding. You're not going out there looking for a pump. Like, you're going to crash. Yeah. 
and I think that's a weird trend that I've seen where I'm like, you know, bodybuilding, it makes sense. You want the sugar, you're going to go on stage, you're going to fill out, like, you know, it's a completely different thing. But yeah, I think sticking to foods that um, you are comfortable with, you know, how you're going to respond to, but also stress like largely impacts like what you're going to be able to eat i know when i'm nervous and when i'm stressed like literally everything makes me want to vomit (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i think that it's yeah finding foods that you know like no matter the situation you're going to be able to eat i've heard that from a lot of people at provincials this past weekend they're like oh man after weigh-ins i still couldn't eat you know you just don't want to you feel so (laughs) yeah nervous and (laughs) <laughs> I was I was uh, game day coaching for three lifters and uh, I was all yeah. like one thing I've found is uh, I've always had to be like all right keep eating keep eating keep eating because they just you know they're they're trying to keep themselves um, they're trying to you know overload their mind to to get rid of the nerves or um, anxieties that they're facing but they're they're not eating at all and they're not drinking right so you always have to constantly be like yeah. hey go drink some water hey go eat this and I'm yeah and especially like. Uh, it wasn't, this meat wasn't too bad because it wasn't very hot, but, uh, some meats I've been to Most in the summertime. Oh. What's up? Oh, I was agreeing with you. Yeah. Yeah. Some, some meats are, uh, are really hot inside like the, uh, Victoria barbell CPL meat there. Like a lot of people were cramping and, uh, uh-huh. I was, I was, uh, for people that don't know, I always wear a fanny pack and I had a bunch of salt packets in my fanny pack and I'm like handing yeah. them out to people and, uh, looked really weird, but salt is huge I, I learned that at my my first nationals when I got off the the bench for my third bench and my ass was cramping my hamstrings and I felt like I had torn my hamstring it was cramping so bad and uh my coach Susie Gary um handed me two McDonald's salt packets and then an emergency and was like drink yeah. this and uh yeah it was amazing how fast that that cramp went away just from just from getting the sodium in and ever since then I've always kept salt packets in my fanny pack <laughs> yeah and I think that's like an amazing idea like you know like I see everybody in the back like a provincials was like pickle juice but it yeah. makes sense like you definitely want to do that and it's something that um even when I was doing bodybuilding and you know you'd like dehydrate I always kept salt in even though I was dehydrating because yeah um, messing with your salt, you, the risk for cramping is like so high. Obviously, you have to do it for water cuts; like you don't have much of a choice um, for the purpose of powerlifting. Cause bodybuilding, it's different. It's to look a certain way. It's not to weigh a certain amount. Um, but definitely, I think that's like the first thing you should be doing is trying to get in sodium and water, like as soon as you're done with your weight cut. Especially with a two-hour weigh-in, right? Because it's so yeah. There's no time, like. You want- Oftentimes, it's just people have such a shitty day on squats because they they don't have, um, there's literally less of them under the bar, right? Because they're, you know. Yeah, you're not filled back out. Yeah. I mean, the purpose should be, you want to gain back everything that you lost from that water cut, you should have gained back by the time you, it's like game time. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's like something that Jeremy really like reinforced with me, like with all of my weight cuts, he's like, I don't care if you're going to puke. He's like, you need to gain weight now. He's like, even if it's just from water. He's like, it's going to mess you up. Yeah. You're way left for that bar. And really, you don't even get two hours because, you know, you get out of weigh-ins, you have to do uh, equipment check and everything, and you don't really have a lot of time to to rehydrate. And then, and then you're warming up, you know, you really only get an hour. Yeah, getting food and water in between warm-ups and... I mean, it's absolute chaos with the two-hour weigh-in. Like, you know, if if you're 
if you wait in last, like you have very little time. Like it's crazy. Yeah, and you, uh, yeah, you don't have time to refuel or rehydrate, and then you know you're on the platform, and uh, you're at such a uh, probably a higher risk to tear a muscle because your your muscles so dehydrated, right? Especially if you have a an aggressive cut. You're uh, yeah, exactly, you're and that's another reason I will always choose at least a at least a mixture of dieting and water cutting, you know, maybe not all of it from diet and maybe not all of it from water cutting, but at least a mixture. So you don't have to go too extreme with either, you know, you don't, I don't think people, especially like someone like yourself or like me who like we go out of our way to like eat well around our training sessions and stay hydrated. And you know, that's just for an average day in the gym. And then you're expecting to go and like hit PRs at a meet when you feel like absolute crap and you're dehydrated and hungry and like it's just it's not gonna happen (laughs) yeah you'll you'll find this especially with uh equipped bench training if you start to dabble in that a little bit more i know you just got a bench shirt oh i dabbled oh i dabbled (laughs) (laughs) how do you like it it was was different it was sketchy i definitely need a tighter shirt that doesn't like hit me in the face but (laughs) set your safeties for sure yeah Uh, yeah i actually just squeezed into my my 48 for the first time last night because I my 50 was over at the tailor at the seamstress and uh holy shit like it was so hard to get into position the chest plate's like a good you know inch smaller it's pretty small for you isn't it yeah it was yeah the 50 was the 50 (laughs) the stock 50 was very loose and so I took my sleeves in pretty pretty aggressively my sleeves on my 50 are smaller than my 48 but uh just a stock 48 yesterday and and I needed 205 kilos just to touch a two board and yeah exactly. I could t- I could touch that to my chest in my old shirt so I think I'm gonna need at least like 227 to touch in this shirt which is gonna be pretty <laughs> crazy but how many people did it take you to get into that shirt <laughs> just one just Bryce <laughs> that's impressive <laughs> yeah I don't really have any other options there I'm uh I'm pretty hooped at this gym but um but yeah, uh, anyway, you'll you'll notice with um, equipped bench training that you need to maintain a like a consistent body weight because if you lose, yeah. if you lose, uh, if you lose any weight, especially off your arms or you know your shoulders or chest, you're gonna uh, uh-huh. you're you're just gonna you know lose leverage out of the shirt because it's not gonna be as tight, right? You're gonna yeah, you're just gonna lose gonna power out of it. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I think that. Uh... I think that even with, uh, my phone's going to die soon, even with um, raw lifting, like, I think people take for granted how, you know, a few pounds will actually change your leverages when you're lifting. Like, it's crazy, especially on, yeah, things like squats, where you're used to, like, holding a little bit more water through your legs, like, especially females, like, we hold a lot of water through our legs. So if you're dehydrated and you're, like, not holding water through your legs, it's going to completely throw off your squat leverages. Yeah, I think people totally take that for granted. Absolutely. So I guess transitioning out of the nutrition stuff, we've talked about that for quite a while, and the listeners are probably, like, super bored because we're all fat powerlifters and just want to deny the fact of being fat. But uh, so what's next for you in the powerlifting realm is competition wise. And uh, do you ever see yourself getting back into the, um, the bodybuilding side of things? Or are you, are you over to our side now? I, I think that with the uh, direction of bodybuilding, it's unlikely that I would compete in bodybuilding again. I think the standards for the sport have changed a lot. Um, I think that, the expectations for females in bodybuilding are so extreme 
that you can't really meet them um, doing things that I'm willing to do <laughs> is the only way to describe it. You know, I'm not willing to do that to my body. Um, and there literally isn't a category that I would fit into at this point. I'm too big for bikini and I'm way too small for figure. So <laughs> it's not very likely. Um, but I definitely think that having that background is super beneficial for uh, powerlifting. Just in terms of having a nutrition experience and, you know, being able to, to diet and train at the same time and possibly cut down a weight class if you needed to or something like that. For sure. It just gives you more experience, right? And, and that's huge yeah. and huge in the powerlifting powerlifting game so what's next for you competition wise in powerlifting are you uh you're doing the august victoria barbell meet right and then yeah i'm gonna do the victoria barbell meet in august i just it's an opportunity to compete at home so why not i'm looking forward to having you handle me that'll be fun yeah it's gonna be good jeremy said he he couldn't handle me and i was like panicking and then he was like we'll get billy to do it that'll be fun i was like oh yeah yeah (laughs) we'll do that it'll be fun be good yeah win the overalls we'll see yeah (laughs) (laughs) i've been i've done uh two meets so far two three lift meets and both times i've come second for overall so (laughs) maybe third time's the charm third time's the charm right yeah um Um, so i'm definitely giving more consideration to my body weight going into that meet because overalls is the goal so i'm trying to stay light for that and then after that will be my first provincials which i won't care about my body weight at that point because there's no way in heck a 57 is winning overalls with ipf points so (laughs) at that level so who cares so that'll be fun because it'll be my first uh higher level meet and there's going to be some pretty pretty good competition there i'll be against the best in bc which i'm really excited for because like the last meet i did there wasn't any other 57 so even if i get my ass kicked at least i'll get to compete against other 57 so that'll be fun that's what it's all about (laughs) right and you'll you'll learn so much like that's that's the one thing that the lifters that i was um handling this uh this last week um they were always all their first time provincials and it was interesting to watch all their different reactions because uh one of them um Kenny, he was just like happy to be there and like yeah, he didn't yeah. care about what happened. He was just like enjoying the process and taking it all in and it was cool to watch him. He was like looking around and he was just like he just enjoying like it. Yeah, he just like yeah, he was just in the moment and it was really cool to watch because a lot of like I've done it at, at meets, like especially nationals, like I've never actually stopped and smelled the roses. It was more like just focus on game day and uh that's yeah. one thing I'm gonna do at this this next meet I'm going to is just stop take my headphones off, take a big deep breath and just look around and, and enjoy the moment for a minute. Well, you're going to be at Worlds, right? With yeah. how often does that happen? So yeah. it's definitely a moment you want to savor. Yeah, take it all in for sure. And uh, and yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be fun. But uh, so yeah, then Provincials, are you going to do Westerns this year at all or are you going to do them next year when they're in Vancouver? I'm going to do it next year when I, it's in Vancouver. My original plan was to not compete at this Victoria Barbell meet and to do Westerns and then do Nationals next year. But, you know, it's my first year in powerlifting, and I kind of felt like I was rushing the process a little bit, trying to get to Nationals right away. And I was like, kind of like, what's the rush? Like, this isn't a game you can really rush. You're only going to get stronger, like, so quickly, right? It's a marathon, and, you know, not a sprint. Whether you compete on the national platform or not, you're still, you know, your total is going to be the same in another meet. So, I mean, I don't see the point in in rushing something as big as nationals unless, you know, you're in an opportunity to be at least somewhat competitive, which I wouldn't be at this point, I don't think. So, 
no, just playing the long game. I'm really looking forward to Westerns 2020. I think it's going to be epic. Sweet. Slow and steady. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Sick, so... That's one thing bodybuilding, especially natural bodybuilding, will teach you is be patient. <laughs> yes, slow and steady wins the race. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, so then Nationals 2021, I guess, would be the goal in Newfoundland? Yeah, which, again, like, that's epic. I didn't want to go to... Where is it supposed to be next year? Winnipeg? Winnipeg. I don't want to go to Winnipeg. <laughs> no offense, Winnipeg, but you suck. No, no offense anyone from Winnipeg, but I don't want to... Well, and Westrooms is in Saskatoon. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't, don't want to go to Saskatoon. Yeah. Yep. So, between those two, I was like, whereas if I, yeah, wait another year, I get to go to Newfoundland, which would be epic. Like, that'll be so exciting and fun. So, that'll be a worthwhile trip for sure, whether I, <laughs> whether I bomb that or not. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's one thing you'll learn from equip lifting is uh, if you bomb out raw, then you have some real fucking attempt selection problems because <laughs> if uh i don't i'm planning on never bombing out <laughs> yeah. I, I saw a few girls almost bomb out on their deadlifts at nationals and it scared the crap out of me so you never know what'll happen yeah i'm of i'm of the the school of thought is like take a nice easy opener get a total and then take a second and third jump more aggressive that's what i've always I done in competition agree with I couldn't agree with you more. I think at my last meet that we just did, my squats, we opened super light, you know, made sure depth was there, no stress. Bench, same thing. It felt like a warm-up. But deadlifts, um, we were playing the deadlift game. So, you know, we were trying to make sure that I opened heavy to kind of throw the other person off. Um, So that actually I feel like was a big part of the reason that I missed my third attempt deadlift was opening heavier. Um, Definitely wore me out sooner. You know, I'd gone into deadlifts going six for six so far like feeling really good Mm -hmm. and by the time I got to my third attempt deadlift I was pretty beat because that was my third really heavy pull yeah yeah the CNS can only take so much right (laughs) yeah pretty much I was like you know on a better day like that definitely would have been there but with already having done you know those aren't normal warm-ups I would have done you know I think opening heavy definitely is like a big defining factor in whether you're gonna get a lift or not later on absolutely well, sick. Well, uh, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah. do, you have, do you have any closing thoughts, sponsors you'd like to thank, anything like that? Uh, pretty much just if you're not competing in or coming to the Victoria Barbell Open, then you definitely need to look into it. It's going to be an epic meet. Come lift heavy things with me. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Yeah. It's going to be sweet. So that's my plug is the meet because it's going to be great. August 24th at Victoria Barbell. And yeah. uh, there's still a couple spots left for registration. I'm excited. There's going to be a lot of people in the open. There's just about enough for a junior overall. Sick. So, yeah, it's going to be really good time. So, and for those that don't know, there's a sick powerlifting gym in Victoria called Victoria Barbell. Victoria Barbell. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Jeremy and Jason Claus own it. It's a great yeah. facility. Best, I think it's pretty, you know safe to say it's the best powerlifting gym on the island um definitely, definitely the best powerlifting gym yeah, on the island me. yeah yeah it's up there yeah. definitely yeah um I've been enough. <laughs> it's a pretty sick gym so go check it out if you're ever in the victoria area um and yeah and uh hannah was nice enough to give us a giveaway today so oh yeah yeah hannah what was your your giveaway you wanted to do today um so i'm offering 
offering a free nutrition consult um, for one person if they, what if they need to do? Share the podcast share the, and follow me. Share the podcast yeah. uh, <laughs> on your Instagram story or share it on Facebook. And okay. then follow Hannah and um, we'll pick one winner um, the following Sunday. This comes out. This will be coming out Sunday the 20-something, 20 31st? Whatever, the day before Canada yeah, Day. Yeah, Canada Day is on Monday, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's the 31st. Yeah, so, Assuming it's a 51-day month, don't quote me. Yeah, it'll <laughs> it'll be coming out the day before Canada Day, and then it will be... Um, the draw will be announced on the 7th, I believe it is. Okay, the, so a week afterwards. week afterwards. Uh, I'll announce oh. it on the podcast and on um, social media and stuff. And uh, next week we have Maria T coming on, which is pretty sick. She's... Oh. Dope. Yeah, she's uh, Canada's first female open uh, world champion, and she's uh, yeah, she's the second um, open world champion in Canada Canadian history, which is pretty epic. So I'm looking forward to chatting with her, talking hot pot, and uh, <laughs> and that kind of stuff. So uh, yeah, thanks again, Hannah, for for coming on and uh, teaching us a little bit more about macros and how to get leaner. Awesome. Thanks for having me. No worries. And, uh, and, uh, yeah. So thanks for listening again, guys. And as always, stay strong.